Howdy, this is Father Greg Gerhardt, Associate Pastor at St. Mary's Catholic Center. Thanks for tuning in to Aggie Catholic Talks podcast. Today's episode is a recording of Marcel Lejeune's talk at the first Magnify of the semester. He spoke about the Kerygma, the first proclamation of the gospel. So check it out. You can also go to our website, aggiecatholic.org magnify to see the rest of the schedule for the semester. Thanks, God bless, and gigum. Howdy. I worked here for 11 years before most of you guys ever were at Texas A&M. Haven't been here for two years, so nobody knows who I am anymore. It's kind of weird. Nobody knows who I am. So what I'm going to do real quick is I want you, and this is literally, you have five seconds to introduce yourself to somebody, and they have five seconds to introduce themselves to you. On the count, right? I'm going to count it down. Ready? Go. One, two, three. here so you guys come on stop eating my time here okay what do you do you're a college student most of you what how do you introduce yourself you start with what okay howdy because you're an Aggie okay my name right you start with name and then you go into class and then you're gonna tell them major and then you're gonna tell them what where you're from or where you live or what you do okay so here's the thing Here's the thing. You guys are excited. I love it. Does that, tell, does that tell the person you're talking to who you really are? No. It doesn't tell them who your deepest identity is, does it? I want to talk to you about identity, your identity, God's identity, and why they matter. Okay? Your identity, God's identity, and why they matter. And we're going to start not by talking about you, but we're going to talk about the other things God has done in this world. We're going to go way, way back before there was even anything. And there's just God, and God is alone. Okay? We believe God is a loving God. He cares. He doesn't need us or anything else that's been created. He doesn't need. God has no need in and of himself. If he's perfect, he has no need. But God loves. That means that God is love, 1 John tells us in the epistle of 1 John. God is love. He can't help himself. This love is part of his very nature. It spills out so much that he starts making stuff. He's creative. He wants to share his love. And so he starts to think about what he wants to share his love with. And he creates the angels. The angels are the first beings that are created. And they're created to be in relationship with God. They're pure spiritual beings. And yet some of them chose not to follow him. This is where the devil comes from. Now why, why would any being created in relationship with the perfect God, who was perfectly loved by that perfect God, ever say, I don't want to have a relationship? Well, the Bible tells us that the devil was jealous. 
Most people interpret that to think he was jealous of God, but he wasn't jealous of God. He was jealous because he knew the plan of God was that you and I were going to be created, and we were created on a higher level than even the angels because we were created with the higher dignity that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And it ticked off the devil. You and I ticked off the devil because he thought he, would, he was the one who was supposed to sit up there in the perfect place by God. And since he didn't get that place because humans got it, he got angry. And it says that a large number of them fell from the sky. And now they hate God and they hate you and they hate me and they're doing everything to keep us there. So then we go into God creating everything else. So think about this for a second. Think about the cosmos. Did you know there is a star out there right now that is one quadrillion, I can't even say the word, this is what history majors struggle with, people, okay? <laughs> Math, all right? <laughs> it's like one quadrillion, is that a number, math people? It is? Thank you. <laughs> history boy got a number right. One quadrillion times the size of the Earth. One quadrillion times the size of the Earth. There's a star out in the sky. That you, if you're looking through, you know, some powerful instrument, could probably see. But you get to go outside, and you can see it right when there's no clouds in the sky, there's no moon. And you go out in the country, and you've seen those stars. Maybe even the Milky Way, right? Aren't you just in awe? Don't you feel small sometimes when you have those experiences of, wow, I'm on a tiny little planet in a solar system where our, our sun is a star where there's billions and billions of stars in a universe that is light year, billions of light years across, and it has stars that are quadrillion times the size of our Earth. Doesn't it make you feel small because you're just a tiny person on the campus of Texas A&M? And you guys who are freshmen or transfer students who stepped onto it and you think, A&M is so big, it's 60,000 students, I'm lost. Here's the thing. God knows you. He's known you before that star was ever created. He loves you with a love that has never ended. So now we start to think about other things. I want you to picture in your mind the most beautiful scene of creation you've ever seen. Now, a couple of years ago, my family and I, we took a family trip to Yellowstone, and we got to see the mountains and the snow and the animals we saw on one day, wolves and grizzly bears and black bears and marmots, because I'd never seen a marmot before, <laughs> and foxes and elk and bison and all these things. And finally, we, at the very end of the day, the sun is setting, there's a geyser going off, there's a mountain there, there's elk running over it, and literally a rainbow, and I just started crying. My, my kids are going, you're a freak. But have you ever had that? Maybe it's like a field of blue bonnets in the hill country and you're lying in it and you take a picture. Because it's Texas, okay? Right? This is what happened. But you've experienced the beauty and wonder of creation, haven't you? How about any dog people in here? Any cat people? I cast you out. May the demons of the feline be gone. Because dog people are Catholic. I don't even know what that means. Okay. But every time I get home, I got two dogs. And every time I get home and they hear me, they get excited and they run. <laughs> you know, dog spelled backward is God. So, and it's just how God sees you. 
He loves you. He's excited when you come to your house, his house. He wants to greet you. He loves you. People, all of that creation, the stars, the dogs, the wildflowers, the rainbows and Yellowstone that make me cry, are nothing in comparison to you. You are the most magnificent, glorious, beautiful creature that God has ever made. And when you look in the mirror and you sometimes think to yourself, I got a little too much here, I don't have enough up here, that's what I think, right? <laughs> or I'm getting a little gray or whatever else. It's all a lie because when your Father in Heaven looks at you, He is so pleased and His heart just beats for you. This is how He loves and so He creates because He loves you so much that He made all the rest of it for you. That's how it started. Way back. And in the garden He made Adam and Eve to walk and to talk and to be with Him. And He created us with purpose and meaning. And He placed us into our very beings for relationship. And that's why when you go somewhere like A&M or Blend and you step foot on campus and it's scary because you don't really know a whole lot of people. And you're worried, will they like me? Will they accept me? And when a relationship gets hurt, it really hurts, doesn't it? When it's broken because you mess up or they mess up or you both mess up, it hurts, doesn't it? And this is what happened in the garden. You see, sin hurts other people every single time, even if it's just in your heart. I went to confession today, and now it's public confession time apparently because I'm going to tell you some of the sins I confessed, okay? And I confessed that there are times, Father, that I don't love as I ought to. Because we're meant to love like God loves. And sometimes I don't see all these people around me as the beautiful, amazing, wonderful creatures that God has created. You see, sin breaks. And this is the problem we have. Sin leads to two things. broken Well, three things. Broken relationships. We are left out of the relationship with God. And we all die. We are slaves, folks, because of sin. There are two things that we can never conquer completely by ourselves. Sin and death. You know that one day they're going to lay you in a casket and put you in the earth. And it scares the heck out of you out of that. And the reason why is because that's a natural response because we are slaves to death. Slavery means that we have no power to control the inevitable there. That another has a power over us. And death has that power. And sin does too. Because there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves from sin. Nothing. We are slaves to it. This is the bad news. Because you and I, based on that break of relationship between the Father who created us imperfectly. I mean, created us perfectly and we imperfectly live him back. It breaks that relationship between us and others. Breaks the relationship between us and the Father. And it causes us to die. And we can't do anything about it by ourselves. We are damned to hell. That is our destiny based on that. If, we, if the story ends right there, all of us are damned to hell. And nowadays, most people don't like to talk about hell. It's not a very nice thing. But that's a reality. You and I don't deserve it based on our own goodness. So a lot of people, oh, come on, man. I mean, I've never killed anybody. No, you haven't. But why is it now that we've, res we've kind of boiled down being a good person to, I'm not Hitler? <laughs> why is it? I mean, I mean, come on. That's like, well, there's like 25 people in history that are worse than Hitler. I mean, come on. How, 
how, how are we going to get there? I mean, it's, you'd have to really work to be as bad as Hitler. I mean, you, you people are not living up to the Hitler. That's not it. All of us deserve it, unfortunately. And here's the thing. That's bad news. Good news doesn't sound real good until you know the bad news. And the bad news is all of us need rescuing. And I want you to picture this, okay? If you're not grasping this, this is how much you're a slave. Have you ever done something that you know you shouldn't do? And you know it's wrong, and you don't want to do it, and you do it anyway? Has anybody in here ever had, and if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar and you're doing it right now. Okay? Everybody's done this. Even St. Paul says it. He says, I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do. St. Paul said it. I mean, the dude wrote like 75 billion books in the Bible. I mean, they're, they're all at the end, by the way, all at the end of the Bible. You know, go to the end. You flip there, it's St. Paul. Okay. The fact is that even St. Paul knows it. While we're created for goodness, and we've broken this relationship, and we've, we're, we've got these problems, God has a solution. Now, I'm going to stop right here before I get to the good news. And I want to tell you a little bit more about some bad news about in my own life and what happened. You see, I started to internalize this when I was your age. When I was in college, way in the olden days, you know, back when we used to, you know, engrave on rocks, like on the Flintstones, you know? Because we didn't have pen and paper or computer systems, you know, you people with your fancy, you're like, I'm on a phone, I don't use a computer. <laughs> the whole point being this. I had the same experience, because it's almost a universal experience, where one day you're face-to-face -face with your stuff. Those sins, those problems, those wounds, those weaknesses, those broken relationships. And you, you get to a point of decision. And I had a decision point. And it was the same night that I met my wife, I met Jesus Christ. That was a good night, people. <laughs> and it was right, it was at a St. Mary's retreat. Why does that get the awe? What if I said it was at a bar at Northgate and I just lied and need to go back to confession? Don't whoop that! By the way, I have had people meet Jesus in bars, okay? So it's not like it's in wives, okay? I had that decision point, and just like I had to decide whether or not I wanted to be in a relationship with my wife, and my wife had to choose that, the same thing with Jesus Christ. There is a decision that every human being has to make. Jesus has already chosen you people. He has already chosen you. Let me tell you how I know he chose you. Because he did that for you. And I want you to look at that for a minute. Because Jesus cannot be defeated. If he is God, he is unconquerable. Unconquerable. He cannot be defeated. If he cannot be defeated, then how did he end up there? Because he chose it. And he chose it for several different reasons. Number one, he chose it because he loves you and he wanted to show, the, show you how much the Father loves you and how much that heart of the Father beats for you. And second, he chose it because he took our place. So he took on our sins so that he could repair that relationship. And the third reason is because he is a warrior and he comes, he comes to defeat the enemy who has stolen and lied about who you are and what your destiny is. Jesus Christ died on a cross and he became one of us so that we could have access to the Father again. Because we were humans and we didn't have the power to heal the relationship between us and the Father. So he took on our flesh to pay our price. 
And since we were humans and didn't have the power, it took God who did. So what do we get? We get the God who is now man. Married together, human and divine, in the person of Jesus Christ. And he died on a cross, and he rose again from the dead. So not only could he defeat the devil in death, but he did so undercover. You guys ever heard of those kind of predators that, that entrap things by just laying low? Think of a spider who digs a burrow in the ground and just waits for the prey. These are the predators who snap at the fish who lays at the bottom of the ocean, just wiggles a little tongue like this. And then the other fish is like, ooh, worm. No. <laughs> okay? These are ambush predators. Jesus is the ambush predator. And the one who is a liar fell for, the, fell for this one. This is the mousetrap, St. Augustine says, is the cross. And the bait that caught the mouse was Jesus' death. Because it fooled him. And he thought that he was going to come. And you can just imagine the devil sitting at the cross going, huh, what do you got this time, big guy? And then after three days, he rose again from the dead. And the devil was dumbfounded and defeated. Because Jesus gave us a way to conquer sin and death. Because he died and rose again to conquer him. And he offers that to you today, right now. And this is the last thing I want to talk to you about. It's up to you. Unfortunately, the Catholic Church has not made this explicit enough in enough places. But you cannot inherit your parents or your grandparents or your parishes or your priests' faith and get to heaven. That's not how it works. You see, God has no grandchildren. God only has children. And whether or not you're going to be part of his family depends on the choice that you make. And tonight, you get a choice. And it's laid before you clearly. Some of you have already made this choice, and you get to reaffirm it because we're Catholic. We're not one and done. You do it all the time, again and again and again. But you get that choice, and that choice is yours, and only yours, and nobody else can make it for you. If you've never made that, we're going to give you an opportunity here in a minute. This is the last story I want to tell you. There's a man who I've already talked about. His name's St. Paul. And in Acts chapter 16, which we're going to read here about in a minute, in Acts chapter 16, there's this story of Paul and Silas, and they go into Philippi. And in Philippi, there's this woman who's following Paul around town, and she's a slave. And she has a spirit, a demonic spirit, that gives her the power, a superpower, to be able to tell the future. And she makes a lot of money for her masters. But she's following Paul and Silas around, and she says, this man has come to tell you about the one who is Jesus and that you can have salvation. And Paul, it says in the scripture in Acts 16, gets annoyed and he casts the demon out of him. I just wish one day, like, while I'm driving and somebody's tailgating me, <laughs> cast that demon to tailgate out of you. Just get out. They're like, oh, sorry. And they back up. <laughs> that would be awesome. Who says it won't happen? I'm going to try it on the way home. <laughs> Shooting blanks, shooting blanks. Okay, so here, here's that, that whole thing happens. And then here's what happens to Paul and Silas. The masters of the slave are angry that their way of living is now gone. They arrest him, strip him, beat him with rods, throw him in prison where he is enchained by the feet in the dungeon of the prison. How would you react to this? How would you react to this? 
What would you do if you just got arrested, beaten, stripped, thrown into prison, latched there? It's the darkest place. There's no light. You don't know what's going to happen. How would you react? Well, this is how Paul and Silas react. It says, about midnight, they were praying and singing praise to God. And the prisoners were listening. And then an earthquake came, and the doors of the jail flew open. The chains fell off. And then the jailer, knowing that his people must have escaped from his prison, is about to kill himself when Paul says, wait, we're all still here. And then Paul comes out. The jailer asks him, what must I do to be saved? And that's the question that I believe God is asking a whole lot of you right now in this room to answer. What must you do to be saved? And Paul's answer is very simple. He says, believe in Jesus. Believe. Faith is an act of our very being, our heart, our mind, our will, where we choose Jesus to place him at the center of our lives. In other places it says, repent, believe, and be saved. Many of you in here have been baptized. That's the beginning of it. Repent, believe, be baptized, and be saved. But many of you haven't believed. So now the choice is yours. And I offer it to you in this way. In just a minute, Father Greg's going to come up forward with the Eucharist. And I'm going to ask you to kneel when he does. And what I would ask you to do is to pray this prayer that I'm going to pray with you in a second. In some way, I want you to put it in your own words. And this is the prayer I prayed the night I met Jesus. It went something like this. My Lord and my God, I don't even know what this means or what it looks like, but I give you my life. I know that you love me. I know that I am your beloved. And I give you everything. My sin, my heart, my body, my mind, my wounds, my history, my problems, my sin, my guilt. I give you my bad habits. I lay it all at the feet of your cross, and I love you. I am yours. That was just a cry of the heart. Folks, Jesus takes nothing away. And he gives you everything in return. I pray for you tonight. If you've done this before, do it again. If you've never done it, consider it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, you love us more than the stars in the sky, all the animals, all the magnificent rainbows, you love us more than the angels because you made us your sons and daughters. You made us in your image and likeness. You made us with meaning and purpose and you poured within us your grace. I thank you so much for this opportunity to be in relationship with you. That you would conquer our sin. That you would even give us victory over death. Jesus, we praise you because it scares us. You went into hell and you rescued all the slaves. You set a trap for the devil and you sprung it at the resurrection. And even when that jailer thought that his life was over, he was free. 
And he had his shackles fall off even more than Paul and Silas. Even more than these people that are here. So give us freedom. Jesus, we give you our lives. Amen.